This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. They say that success is built on strong foundations. So when 20 years ago, when Stuart Watkiss took the reins of Mansfield Town's first team, a side which was full of his youth team starlets, fans dared to dream of achieving promotion. There were twists and turns along the way and it went all the way to the wire. But in the end, Watkiss and his side made dreams come true. Ball into the area for Kelly, keeps possession, drives it across the edge of the six-yard area, cleared as far as Hassel, back into the box it goes, and we're in front! Mansfield have it, and it's Andy White! It's absolutely nuts at field mill! Corner then, he's going to take this corner, holds both arms aloft, the uh, referee waiting to give the signal, Williamson's on the goal line, Greenacre's near the near post, into the area it goes, Tankard heads it goalwards, it's in! It's Andy White! Andy White's made it 2-0! And now we have a little bit of a comfort zone. The referee looks again at his watch. It's just about over. Three seconds remaining. The referee's blown and Mansfield are promoted to Division 2. Scenes of jubilation at Field Mill. This is the Mansfield Matters podcast and 20 years on, we're recalling the stories from that historic campaign with those at the heart of it all. This is Stag Stories, the glory of the Amber Generation. Hello and welcome to another episode of Stag Stories, the glory of the Amber Generation. Our quest to recover the stories from 20 years ago, 2001-2002, when the Stags, under the management of Bill Dearden and then Stuart Watkiss, won promotion on the final day of the season to go into what is now Skybat League One. Of course, the old Division 3 back in the day. Now, as per Mansfield Matters tradition, this is the episode of the series where there was a slight glitch in the recording, which means that there's no video version of this podcast, and the audio, especially from my side, sounds a little bit more open room type vibe. It's not as crystal clear as this for the rest of the episode. It is still very, very audible though, and it's a really enjoyable episode to boot. So sit back and enjoy Andy White with me as always as my co-host. He's delved into his little black book of contacts to deliver us a phenomenal guest once more. A pre-warning on this episode, again, there may well be some stories that aren't quite suitable for little ears, and there may be a little bit only a slight bit of coarse language throughout the show. So without further ado, I'm going to stop waffling. Let's get on with it. And I'll hand over to Andy White to introduce our guest for this episode. A man he knows 
very, very well indeed. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a man who uh, supported me from, from, from my early days of career, uh, but also supported the whole kind of coaching team, and it's uh, physio Barry Statham. So when you think Barry Statham, what do you think? When, when I said to you the name Barry Statham, let's get him on the show, what were your immediate thoughts? What are your memories about him? I just remember being really interested in kind of young players, development of, of talent, um, and somebody who kind of knows his stuff inside out, but also knows about that kind of mental side of the game, which a lot of, you know, you automatically assume physios of, you know, looking after that physicality. But with Baz, he knew that, that the kind of the game of professional football, the rigours of professional football needed the mental side of things. And for a young lad, that is a, that is a big kind of learning curve that, that Baz obviously supported the young players through. And so, yeah. I have to say that that's a side of the game which I find really, really intriguing. I always have done from from a young age because I don't think a lot of people talk about that. You know, you, you see podcasts, you see interviews with ex-players and things like that, and they, they don't really talk about that side of the game. They don't really talk about the people behind the scenes. They talk about the goals, the the memories, the the golden chances they had, all all of the the good things. They don't really talk about that side of the game. So it's going to be very interesting to to sort of hear those stories. So let's get him in, let's get him involved as we say uh, hello and welcome uh, to Barry Statham. Barry, how are you, my friend? I'm good, Craig, thanks, yeah. Very nice to speak to you and uh, thanks for the invite. It's an absolute been, uh... pleasure. Thanks so much for agreeing to to come on. When uh, you got the message fr from Andy saying, uh, do you want to come on and recall 20 years ago in your time at the Stags, what were your, your immediate thoughts? My initial thoughts, what am I going to remember back that for? <laughs> you know, but I mean, uh, you know, I've got one one or two stories even beyond there. I mean, sort of, as I mentioned to Andy, uh, starting sort of October 93 away at Carlisle and uh, I mean, quite a number of managers I worked under, um, which uh, I thoroughly enjoyed. And uh, one in particular was such a character, Andy King. Oh, my God. What a guy, you know, <laughs> an absolute, an absolute comedian. So enthusiastic. I think Andy thought he should still be playing. He, he kept reminding us of that when he was there. But, I mean, some of the things he did, I mean, uh, they make me laugh to this day. I, I, I remember going back to sort of... Um, we, we played a game at, uh, at Gillingham uh, away. And uh, it was a typical muddy pitch, lots of rain. All, the, all this has got to stand you in the background because somewhere along the line, with his enthusiasm, he used to upset one or two of the... Uh, linesman shall we say and the referee and uh and what's happened is he's, he's said something untowards and uh it was just following an injury i dealt with to the to the um linesman who then called the referee over um referee immediately had a word and then decided that he'd send andy off well the, the funny part of this was normally a manager would walk around the pitch because we were on the opposite side really in the dugouts then and just take yourself you know, completely out the picture. Not Andy. Andy needed to be centre of attention. God bless him. And uh, he decided he'd walk across the pitch, muddy pitch, in his suit, and and stopped halfway, lit a cigar, and then continued to go the rest of the pitch before joining the Gillingham supporters, who actually cheered him and were laughing away. And I thought, there's only people like Andy could do that. And... <laughs> And I'll tell you that one. And if there's time, I'll tell you one that's even better. But uh, in the meantime, I'll come back to you, Greg. 
we will uh, definitely make time for that. There's, I've got all of the time in the world for stories like that. Let's go back, though, to, to the very, very start. Um, and you talk about your journey, really. You mentioned sort of joining the Stags sort of uh, in, in the, uh, the early 90s. But the, the big question I've got is, why did you decide to become a physio? I've spoken to so many people on this podcast who say, yeah, football was in my blood from, from when I was a kid. I always enjoyed playing and they went down that route. But what made you become a physio? Well, I, 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 um, my background goes obviously back to the military. And uh, I was a, a physical training instructor. And um, at times, you know, you didn't have a choice in the army. You were told you were going to do certain things if they thought you were capable of it. And uh, that's the way we got pushed. So, you know, on I went to do a four-year course in, in physiotherapy, which handed me in good stead later on, um, because I, uh, I actually left officially the army in uh, January 1994. But I'd been actively involved with uh, a lot of sport within the military. And I'd done all my sort of coaching badges through the FA and all that type of thing. So, and I'd played for the army as a player. So... On the football side, you know, I'd, I'd always been sort of well into it. So when I left, I decided perhaps that was a, a good way for me to go, if possible. And I, I did get offered uh, one or two jobs at the same time, down one at Preston and uh, one at um, actually uh, Doncaster. Um, but when it came down to Mansfield, it was a case of, you know, look, Billy did and sold it to me. You know, he, he said, you know, we, we've got the potential here. We really have. And... Uh, you know, I know I'm interviewing you, but basically, it's your choice. If you want the job here, it's open to you. And it was that really that said, you know what? This sounds the best move. And irrelevant to whether now Preston are in the championship and Donny are in League One, I still think to this day I made the right decision because I fully, I, I enjoyed it so much. And, uh, you know, you, you can't have regrets, can you? You know, you can't change the past. Um, you can, you know, you can hopefully change the future a little bit, but um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed my time. Uh, a really good time I had there from sort of '93 up till 2002. Were you always a, a Mansfield lad, or was no. Mansfield just a sort of location you sort of stumbled upon then? No, no, no. I'm, uh, I'm actually from uh, near the Liverpool area. So I mean, in uh, <laughs> the only time I nearly left actually was I got down for the last two for the job at Everton. Uh, only for ah. my dad, only for my dad to say to me, "You're not going there, are you?" <laughs> because he's he's a Liverpool guy, and I thought, you know, well, I, I, even if I do get it, should I take it or what? Upset the family. <laughs> oh, fantastic, excellent stuff, Andy. I'm going to come back to you. Obviously, we've we've spoken uh, in previous episodes about your sort of stags journey and things like that. When you you know sign on a, a football club and you go through all the medical and things like that, no doubt that's when your your pass will have first crossed with Baz, wasn't it? Well, funnily enough, it was actually uh, during a pre-season game for me uh, playing for Hucknall Town. I, I was still at school, um, yeah, picking up a bit of beer money for Hucknall Town, if you like, um, having aspirations to play football professionally for a living, but never really felt that it was going to happen because I'd been kind of released by Chesterfield as a 16-year-old, and I, I took that quite bad, to be honest. So I kind of stumbled into non-league football at Hucknall, and my PE teacher took me to Hucknall Town. And I think it must have only been my first or second game against Stags um, in a preceding friendly. And I only played 10 or 15 minutes towards the end of a game. And uh, I remember vividly Baz coming over, shaking me hand, saying, well done, young lad. Uh, you did well there. And... Um, 
then my career kind of, yeah, went on for a bit of a trial through the six-week holidays after that. Um, Skip and um, Ivan came to, came to watch me at South Normington. Um, I did some training with the first team through uh, the six-week holiday. And then I was offered kind of extended schoolboy for because I was, like I say, still doing my uh, A-levels and I wanted to continue with them and get my A-levels um, and just play for the U team on a part-time basis. So that was my my first interaction. I mean, no such thing as medicals back then, Basler, in terms of, you know, a player. Obviously, for me, I was just going to no real risk involved from, from signing me because... Um, I was still at school, no kind of financial commitment from Mansfield in terms of uh, uh, any money exchange. Well, I think, I think I was, I think they the, the bunged him a grand at Hucknall for, 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 for as a gesture of goodwill because I'd not actually signed on for Hucknall at the time. So yeah, that was, uh, that was the start of my Stags career. Is that true, Baz? Back in the day, it, it was less of a medical and, and more of a. You look alright. Can you run? Can you kick a ball? You're alright, son. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it was it. Uh... It took some time to convince the, the, you know, the people at the top to need. They needed to do things that were going to save money for the club in the future, and possibly in relation to making money for the club with players moving on. So I, I you know, I was a great advocate of we've got to we've got to do orthopedic assessments of these people. You know, we've got to find out where the problems are such and they're going to come about. Let's let's nip them in the bud and see if we can do anything about it all about prevention rather than just treating, you know, potential injuries that were going to happen, you know, through the phys- physiologically, phys- phys- physiology of the players. So uh, well, eventually I managed to get that through to them and uh, they then really started to get on top of making sure that these medicals that we were doing were going to be carried out, you know, to the nth degree. This is what really fascinates me about um, you know life off the pitch. We you know we, we can talk to coaches and managers and they can talk about putting on sessions and things like that. But I think when you strip it down, Andy, and you look at you know what makes a successful side, it's not just having a, a manager and a, and a good coach, is it? It's all about having the right backroom staff as well. And I think somebody like Baz sits perfectly within that bracket. Definitely, and I think Baz alluded to it when he was um, you know discussing. Um, it, it, his, his, his methodology, if you like, in terms of insisting on um, medicals. Um, he was ahead of his time, Baz, in terms of his, his, his thinking around what a physio does. Because you look at um, Premier League teams now and how it's developed over, over the years. And they've got nutritionists, they've got psychologists, they've got um, a, a whole team of physios who look after probably different parts of the body even you know so from 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 back then in, in the 90s you know and, and it scares me even using that word 90s when it when, when it when it talks about you know my my previous career or my, my the start of my career it's quite scary but it's kind of you know three decades ago but well yeah. i can make it work i can make it worse for you mate i was born in 91 but <laughs> <laughs> you were born in kind of yeah early 90s and that is that is kind of scary but yeah, um, I think, well, we're discussing off air about um, the kind of mental side of, of the game um, and how Baz really did help um, a lot of players in terms of supporting them from the mental side of things. Because historically, physios back in those days looked after, you know, the physicality of the player but and didn't really work on that, that mental side of things, which people don't realise how important that is especially to young players and 
you know, Bass can probably give you stories about how he supported many player who um, had some really quite challenging injuries, some some potentially and some which actually did end careers. Um, and yeah, I, I just kind of get a, get a sense from you, Baz, in terms of that. How 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 important was the mental side of things to 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 your kind of package of support, if you like? I think it was vital, and I think that's why uh, I made sure I attended, like uh, we spoke earlier, a lot of the youth team games because I needed to know what type of characters I was going to be dealing with. You know, would they have the mental strength, fearing the worst as regards a serious injury? You know, could they come back from it? Um, seeing what the discipline was like, which again takes me back to the military. You've got to have that discipline. You know, not just on the pitch, but off it as well. And the discipline of following strict regime programs, physical programs. And at times for me to make decisions and say, this guy has worked his socks off for the last three months. He needs a week off. He needs to be away from the club. He needs to be at home and get regenerated. Bring him back. And I guarantee you, he'll have the same enthusiastic attitude as he started six months prior to that. And that seemed to work pretty well. But I had to get to know them to think, if I give them a week off, you know, will they do the right things even though they're on their own? Mm. So I tried to be, you know, a judge of character, if you like. And nine times out of ten, Baz, would, pe- would people, you know, do, do what you, you said? Or were there the odd couple young lads that are thinking... Oh, I can't be asked to train this week. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not feeling it. I want to go on with a jolly with the lads. Was there? Was how difficult was the it to build up that element of trust? Um, I I used to set I, I used to set little traps. You know, I'd uh, I'd tell them they could go away and do certain things, and I'd know if they hadn't done them because I'd done certain tests before. And when they come back, if they didn't achieve the lowest aim of the next test in relation to what I'd set them, I'd know they'd not been doing things. But having said that as well, you've got to balance it out of, do you give them a real strict telling off or do you just let them know, you know, look, I don't know what side of the coin you were on, but you've not done what you're told to do. And now you're going to suffer the consequences. Or do you put an arm around them and then you, that's how you've got to get to know them mentally and just say, just chill a bit. I know that uh, things have not been quite right. So lift yourself up, dust yourself down, and let's get back on it again. I think it's quite a, an interesting one. Cause it, like you say, there is an element of trust there, but there must have been one or two that sort of uh, maybe pushed it a little bit. Did you ever find anybody out? <laughs> yeah, I, I found one or two out, and um, <laughs> but I'm not going to let you know who. <laughs> is one of them in this call? Uh, no, Andy was good. Andy was very good. And I'm not just saying that Andy had a good attitude. Andy was more of the uh, one of the let's say intellects amongst the guys. <laughs> there's, a, <laughs> there's another name which uh, which crops up quite often here on Mansfield 103.2. A name that I'm sure you'll recognise straight away when I say, it, and that is uh, Lee Wilson. Was he one uh, that would uh, occasionally pull the odd stroke, or was he another model professional? No, but I've got to say he as Det Lee. One thing that stood out in my mind again with Lee. We were playing a reserve game and he has had the worst miss I've ever seen on a football pitch. The ball got played through, the keeper come out, missed it, 
He's gone through. There's nobody else there. He's, he's no more than the penalty spot from goal. And he absolutely hammers it. The, the referees turn around and go back the other way to blow his whistle. The ball hits the post and goes back past the referee, back in play. And, and Andy King's shouting again from the sideline, get him off, substitution. Lee will remember that, actually, no doubt. I will play, I'll play that to him. Um, I asked him about you uh, earlier on. I was speaking to him, of course, uh, the other night when we were doing one of the commentaries. He's the co-commentator for us here on Mansfield 103.2. And he was saying, I said, just tell me a little bit more about Baz Statham. And he went, the only thing he said was, he's a bastard. He'll get you fit. He'll push you hard. <laughs> if it was a bastard getting you fit, he pushed you hard. They were his exact words. Yeah, yeah. I, I, well, yeah, I did, actually. But, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, they're professionals. And uh, I wanted them not to be with me. So I wanted them not wanting to be with me. I wanted them to be back on the pitch. I used to do things as well where I'd work the socks off and then deliberately take some of them to training to watch the lads train. And they would be sick because they want to be. Sort of, is that like a psychological yeah, thing to sort of get be... them back yeah, into it? They'd want to be out there, you know, wherever possible. I'd make them work not too far away from the players who were who were obviously training, and I, I knew in their minds they'd be thinking, "I want to be back there, and I don't want to be here. I can be yeah. knock, I can be knocking off at one, but when I'm with them, I don't get away till five. <laughs> is there is there a lot of truth in that, Andy? In what uh, in what Baz says there about that thing of if you're not sort of part of it, you're you're almost itching to to get back into it. I mean, to be honest, I was extremely lucky with injuries, and it, it might have been Baz's kind of preventative uh, methods that that supported me in terms of you know that injury prevention. But I uh, I can remember I've had one injury, and that's a kind of medial knee ligament injury where I was out for about three weeks, and you know throughout. Uh, um, a seven-year professional career and a 15-year kind of semi-professional career. No no significant injuries at all. So um, I, I do know that when a player was injured, so when you did miss a couple of days of training sessions, which I did through, you know, little niggling injuries, it was a frustrating time. And I think for Baz, you know, having to um, support those players through that time, and some players can be, can be injured for, you know, three months, six months, yeah. A year, even you know, yeah. and yeah, to have somebody you know walk through Baz's door every single mm. day, having to go through you know quite a uh, a rigorous but also repetitive um, process, it, it must be quite challenging, Baz, to kind of try and lift their spirits to to enable them to you know to have some belief that one day they will get back out onto that pitch. Yeah, you you've, you've got to set you know the good. The goals have got to be set high, but they've got to be achievable for whoever you're dealing with. You know, it's no use setting something where that, that they're not going to be able to quite get there at that stage. It's all about making it testing, but making them achieve and lifting them by saying, hey, you've done it. That's another month out the way beyond it. Keep lifting them and changing things, making things progressive, but variable. You know, don't stick to the same things all the time. Yeah. And I just find by doing that, you can, you can maintain the motivation. Mm. And, and, and like I said to you before, it's all about reading and thinking they're not up to this today. The, the program will change slightly. It'll be similar, but it'll be dropped two or three levels. Because you know that if you push it to that level, they just, 
well, it'd just be down and it'd be another day lost, really, rather than, you know, another day gained and progressed. But for you, for you, Baz, it's, um, and, and again, this is, this is where it comes back from, from your package of work being like ahead of its time. You, you in, you've got to individualise your, your support to that person, whereas other, other physios perhaps did a carte blanche, right, we'll go down the gym and we'll do um, 20 minutes on the bike, for instance. But, but yeah. you, need to, you know that individually some of those players wouldn't be able to, you know, you, you wouldn't get the maximum out of them by putting them on a bike 20 minutes. So it's all about that individual support that you offered them based on their, their personality. And the time you took getting to know them as a person really does help in terms of what package of support you can put in place for that player, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. You know, again, we're going all the time back to the individuals, you know, uh, and, I, and I was always told, and I know perhaps Mansfield, we, we sort of don't divide it too much, but I, I always looked upon it as a north and south of the country. You know, with the northerners, you've got to basically say, you can't do that. You're not up to it. And their answer will be, you are. I'm going to show you. Now, with the southerner, and this is generalised, I think it's the arm round them and going, hey, you'll be on this. You shouldn't even be here. You're light years ahead of it. And away they go again. It's about man management, isn't it, really? Yeah. But just, you know, from the medical side. And I, I held that principle a lot. North and south, yeah, but you, you can easily put it into categories of the of the players that we had while we were at the football club and say, he might not be from the south, but he's a southerner. And I think, Baz, that's why whichever, mani- whichever manager you've worked under, they, all, they always really valued your opinion, not just on a kind of fitness perspective, but also kind of tactically as well in terms of your involvement in, you know, sessions, for instance. So I know you, you're quite interested in that part of the, the job as well, weren't you? Well, I think they were surprised to know that I'd sort of done all my, at the time it was the, I'd done all my coaching licenses. I'd done my full badge, as it was, which is now the, you know, the pro license. So I, I was qualified, in most cases, perhaps more than the managers I worked under. You know, so when I set sessions up and that, I think wow. some some of the older players, particularly, went, "Bloody hell, where's he got that from? How does he know that?" And was that, that I, part I, of your was sorry was that was that part of your job to to put on on different sessions based around the fitness element or was it just something that you just sort of contributed to because you had your badges uh well i, I it wasn't part i wasn't lined up as this is your job as well i think i surprised a few managers and i'll go back to andy again and and say you know we uh, i only for once i think i had only two players injured and he was going on about sessions and i said well i can put a session on for the players and he went you are i went i'll put a session on and he went, all right then. And I think he thought he'll have a bit of a laugh here, you know. But I set the session up and I think the thing that pleased me was, you know, halfway through it, he went, hey, can I join in? And I went, yeah, join in. <laughs> so I thought, well, I've cracked it there. The lads are now think, well, he does know a bit about football as well as uh, perhaps getting us fit. And that's an advantage, you know, because you can set sessions up then and you can bring players back gradually into various phases of play, depending, you know, who they were, were they a fullback, were they a striker. You could actually, if managers have worked with you, you could build up a session in a day that involved all the other players as well for him to come back into, you know, into the first team. 
which manager turned around and said, "Wow, we could actually coach. Wow, we can get. Wow, we can put on a session." There we throw a name under the bus. Uh, well, you know, God bless him. I say it's Andy. I think he was the first one because he was there. You know, very early doors to say, "You've shocked me." You know, and I went, "Well, you know, <laughs> you can't, you can't always, you can't always see what's round in front of you." Sometimes I said, "But uh, yeah, I've done all my coaching badges and that," and he said, "Oh, great," you know. So, but I couldn't get involved that much on that because obviously I was busy most of the time trying to get players fit. But when I mm. could, I'd, I'd definitely join in with them. You know, I could play a little bit. I'm gonna, I want too bad. <laughs> uh, you did. You, I can remember you joining a couple of shooting sessions, Baz, and uh, yeah, remember a few top corners. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I probably had about three out of ten. You know, for each shot. Better or, better or worse in your opinion than Lee Wilson Baz uh, no question about that Lee knows it as well yeah let him know I, I, must, I must tell you this quick story really. I keep going back to Andy with the funnies but I think most of the funnies come back from that we were playing away at Chester and uh, Andy I, I tried to say to you well I pointed out to you before he was so enthusiastic and he made a comment on everything every pass you know, sometimes you'd be sat there thinking, God, I wish he'd shut up for five minutes. But anyway, we were, we were down at Chester and uh, there were about 10 or 15 minutes to go. And, he, you know, we, we weren't, we weren't, let's say we weren't playing the best, but we were under the coshy lot from, the, from Chester at the time. And uh, where the dugout was at Chester then, you used to come out, get into the dugout, and you used to step down into it. And it had those seats as well that sort of flipped up. So, you know, you pushed it down behind, you sat down and uh, settled yourself down. Well, it comes to the last 15 minutes and Kevin Noteman comes flying down the left-hand side quite near to us on the dugout and he pulls up rapidly. And I thought, uh-oh, that's not good. So immediately, I steps up to get out of the dugout and pushes off quickly and pull my calf. But thankfully, I'm only about five yards from the touchline. But all I hear from the back is, I hear this, everybody's getting injured at Mansfield, even the physio's injured. And then I hear a bang, and I look round, and he's jumped up, hit the roof of the, of the dugout, gone back down again, the seat's flipped up, and he's just gone straight down and landed in between the seats and where you come out of the dugout. Well, I've got him, his head's bleeding, you know, I, I'm come St. John's. St. John's are taking the manager out the dugout. I'm I'm there with Kevin Noteman limping around. And this and says, Kevin Noteman went, How badly is he injured? Because I know I'm not performing that well, but if I can get off, I will. I went, Yeah, you're coming off anyway. So don't worry about him, he's gone. Anyway, they ended up having to stitch him up. We scored with about five minutes to go. I mean, unbelievable how we got the results. I've gone into the uh, into the physio's room and he's laying down and, and he says, oh, he's, he's slightly, you know, he's slightly gone, really. I thought he's been unconscious, you know, and he's got sort of three or four stitches on the top of his head and he goes, how, how have we got on? I went, we won one nil. <laughs> so he's jumped straight off the bed and gone, that'll do us, let's get going. And I thought, <laughs> only Andy King, only Andy King every time. 
Oh, what a guy. Oh, fantastic. We'll make sure that we've got a room for more of those stories. We'll have to get you on again at some other point as well, because there's <laughs> far more than we can uh, squeeze in, in in the time we've got. Uh, let's go back then to uh, to this particular season. It was 20 years ago that when Mansfield won promotion. Um, Andy, you know, we were speaking about it. You were heavily involved. You'll always have the headlines from that uh, that final day. And, before we sort of started recording, you two were reminiscing, weren't you, over that final day? And you were saying that uh, you weren't sure whether you could whether you could remember actually practicing those set pieces or not. Yeah, no, <laughs> uh, I, I think we must. I think we came to a conclusion, bud. We, we must have worked on that in in in, in training because it's such a well worked uh, corner for that first goal from Cords. Um, I know, obviously, a bit of a uh, bit of magic by Cords to put it in the top bin, but you know. It was obviously played in, into the near post for Chrissy Greenacre, who kind of cushioned it down, sat up really nicely for Cords. And yeah, Cords did what Cords does in terms of putting it into that top bin. Um, so we, we must have worked on it, Matt. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, it's, you know, you don't just throw that in, do you? I mean, it's got to have been practised and practised and practised. I mean, day after day, I think we were at that because we knew one of their weaknesses was get something near the near post, the struggling near the near post. That was it, wasn't it? That was the free kick that did it. Yeah. And I mean, nobody will tell us any different, will he, mate? No, that's it. And um, yeah, I mean, in terms of, in terms of that season, um, for for myself, yeah, the running was massively. Oh. Obviously, I know that the, the, the stags for this year are approaching that kind of final ten games, and there's going to be lots of twists and turns. And I think there was for that season we went up in terms of those last ten games. I can remember. Um, going away to Luton, and I think we we got beat four one or something, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and and that was a real kind of low point because obviously we were we were I think neck and neck with Luton at the time in terms of going for that promotion. So it would have been a big six points. Lost that. Um, I've got a funny story for when Cords comes on, but I might save that in terms of because he had an absolute shock of that day. Cords. It was five three. <laughs> I've just had a little look. It was five three at Luton that day. Oh, was it? And that was. Yeah, five three. Uh, Muzz scored, Chrissy scored, and Scotty Sellers scored that day. But yeah, five yeah, three. Scott Sellers. Yeah, yeah. He, chipped, no he, chipped the, he chipped the keeper. I remember it. It was really... absolutely brilliant. Yeah. He yeah. came in from the right side. He went past two players, twenty-five yards from goal, and Stewart said he's going to chip him, mm. and he did. Yeah. And even the Luton lot behind the goal clapped it. It yeah. was that good. I you remember. I remember Muzza's goal as well because I'd, uh, I think it was, uh, I can't remember his name now, but he's gone to, on to the Premier League. Um, you know, what's his name? Fullback, anyway. He's played played a short back Matt pass. Taylor. Matt, Matt Taylor. Taylor. Yeah. yeah. He's played a short back pass, a young lad. I've gone in, intercepted the back pass, took it round the keeper, done the hard pit, and then typically just slipped over. <laughs> uh, luckily, Muzza was <laughs> following me in and he kind of nipped it into an open goal, but. Um, yeah, that was just another kind of catalogue of my embarrassing moments on a football pitch. But if that, if that, that was the early part of that season. I, mean, I, think, um, I think one of our first games was uh, Hull at home. Mm. And, 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 the Hull one was when it all came oh, place, wasn't it? It was Hull at home. And I've never heard this on the pitch before. When I, with about 15 minutes or so to go, we absolutely battered. Oh, yeah. I mean, it should have been eight, but it could have been ten. That day, I mean, we were that good, and I mean, these two centre halves. What I heard one of them say to the other, 
Jesus, I'm absolutely knackered. How much longer are they going to keep passing it round us like this? And I've never heard that before on a football pitch, that mm. one say to the other, they were absolutely out of it. Yeah. And, I, and, and, you know, Little was the manager at the time. Mm. And when we were walking off the pitch, he said to Stu, thanks for the lesson. Mm. And, and I thought, wow. And, 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 I, and you talked earlier about, um, you know, being ahead of your time. And, and to be fair, I know we talk about the high press now, don't we, in terms yeah. of Liverpool star Man City. Yeah. But Skip introduced that high press back in that season. I remember it really vividly. He because did. obviously we were a young team, fit. fit. Yeah, and, and he and, and he said, right, one player at the back, they start the press, and then four players go, the midfield goes, and it starts from there and just put them under pressure because at this level, they won't be able to deal with it. And they didn't. And that, no. was, that was a big part of, of, of the team's um, ethos. Belief. Back. Belief. Yeah. They yeah. all went together. He said, you go, you all go. All and go. they all went. And they, yeah. and they, they struggled, obviously, with the, with the pressure. And, I mean, you even go as high as Barcelona. They used to do the same thing. You know, press, press, press. And you, if you get through the first group, yeah, you've cracked it. But you don't very often do that. No. And even less at that level. Yeah. And this is, this is 20, 20 years ago, you know. So. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and Premier League teams now are just kind of yeah yeah adopting adopting that style of playing. It's obviously been successful for teams like Liverpool, Barcelona, and Man City. So yeah, Skip a brilliant coach. Yeah, I, we'll, we'll we'll give we'll give Skip that kind of um, yeah status of, of starting off that trend back in back in two thousand. That's I can, I can, I can, I can 100% say I, I can see that it, it taking the title of trendsetter. I can certainly <laughs> see, uh, see that happening. At what point did you guys, as a, as a staff, Baz, know that that group in 0102 could have something special? Because, like we've mentioned before, me and Andy have said it before um, as well. I spoke to other players from that sort of era as well. That it all came through as one, didn't it? It was like a nice transition from youth all the way through to first team. At what point did you guys, as a staff, know? That that could be the side which gets Mansfield Town some overdue success. Well, going into the you know even going as back a, as far like I said of the youth team, <clears throat> I mean to get the quarter final of the FA Youth Cup as a League Two team, and there aren't many teams that have done that. You could see straight away that there were a lot of special guys here, and when they moved on into first team football, <clears throat> they just stepped up to it. Yeah, it was a challenge. But they never seemed to look at it like that. It was fun, you know. It was fun. And they were so fit. I mean, they were so fit. And I'll say, yeah, I look, some of that did have to do with me. But Stuart was really keen on the fitness as well. You know, and the level of fitness was tremendous. The big problem was, can we keep hold of them? That was the problem, you know. I still say to this day, that if they've been able to keep hold of them and just strengthen a little bit when we got promoted at the back, We'd have gone on. We'd have got. I think we'd have gotten the championship. I'm not saying we'd have stayed there, but I really think we would have. You well, just needed that bit of investment, and you know, bit stronger at the back than we were, and we definitely had the potential. Well, I mean, if you look at that cohort of players, Baz, you know, eight, eight, nine of them have gone on to play championship football. Yeah, so but, and, that, and that, two that, of them played so, in the Premiership. Yeah, exactly. One, and, one of them, one of them, an international. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, that, that kind of, I mean, as soon as, as soon as I walked through the door in terms, you know, Liam was obviously a, a standout player for me in terms yeah. of 
not just his not just his technical ability because he was obviously back in those days you know compared to David Beckham in terms of not just how he looked but also <laughs> how he played and technically you know how he could cross a ball ping a ball but you know Liam's physicality as well he was one of the fittest players you will ever meet wasn't he and he, he was yeah. he, he was one of them who, who didn't need to work at it he was no, just, I was just going to say that I was just going to say that I mean he, he really looked the part didn't he you know I mean, he, and it, it, there was no doubt about it. I mean, both feet. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, to be hypercritical, I would have said if he'd have had real pace, mm. he would not have been at Mansfield Town. No. But if you look at David Beckham, he didn't have any pace, did no. he? Look, no. no. No, he didn't. You're um, right. And, and, he, and he had a sim, similar sort of, obviously, style and, and, and how he played the game. And, and he did go on. To reach the highest level in terms of international football, didn't you? Well, so, and Bobby's so adaptable. Bobby yeah. could play full back, centre half, midfield. Bobby yeah. Athol, quality footballer. Yeah. Lee Williamson, probably one of the best passers yeah. at that level, you know. And then he developed his game. He could always play the short stuff. Mm. But the good coaching from Stuart and that mm. started, you know, he knew how to pick out a diagonal. He could knock 30, 40 yard balls all of a sudden. Yeah. And that, and you thought, he's going to be gone again. He's yeah. somebody's going to get him. But he should have uh, kept him playing the short stuff. Yeah, but Lee, Lee, <laughs> Lee, Lee Williamson as well. He had that nasty streak in terms of that aggression. Not, not overly. No, he never really um, excelled um, overly in terms of his aggression. But that kind of desire to win the ball back, you know, that that ratting midfield. But yeah. you know, there are ratting midfielders. You know, you think of Robbie Savage, ratty midfielders who don't have that technical ability to pass the ball when he gets it. Lee Lee had that, didn't he? You know, he, he had the, the ratting, he got the ball, aggression. Then he could play, like you say. Yeah, and, and, and all of a sudden, you know, you get halfway through the season and who you're playing against, you start to realise that the opposition are thinking, this guy's not just a pretty footballer. He puts his foot in and that. So that they get wary. You know, how do we overcome it? Mm. You know, early part of the season, I think they they weren't expecting it from players like him. Mm. But once they've seen it, you know, their attitude changed. Mm. And they, they were more... I found, I don't know about you, but in the latter part of the season, where we really started to step it up, teams started to drop off a lot. Even from, the, the you know, they come to Mansfield and the first thing was get a draw. Mm. Get a draw, because we ain't going to get now else. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and and I think from kind of Skip's perspective, there were a few masterstrokes there in terms of some of the signings he made because he realised that you needed that experience towards the latter end of the season to yeah. be able to see it through. So if you think about the kind of people he bought in, you know, you look at Muzza for a start, Adam Muzza, yeah. you know, that was an absolute masterstroke. Oh, see, good he came, what, we're, I think he was coming, what, March, March time. And, and, you know, he scored every other game and then that really lifted us. And then Skip identified that we need that kind of older head. So he bought in, you know, Dave Kelly. He bought in Scott Sellers. Um, you know, the, these kind of tactical masterstrokes, if you like, in terms of bringing that experience in, but also identifying when to bring players like that in and yeah. also having the contacts to bring such players in. You know, Scott Sellers is Premier League Premier League, ex-Premier League football. 500 Premiership games. And to, to, be, able to, to be able to get a, a, a player like that at Mansfield Town, it must have been 
Mansfield's reputation through that season that these types of players had heard about the young talent that they've got, that they wanted to be part of that team. Yeah, I agree. And also, he picked out the players who had the right attitude. They were still hungry. They still wanted to do well. You know, they were good leaders. Yeah. You know, everything about them, they were absolute, the epitome of a top professional. Yeah. And maintained it. Yeah. Because if you look at Muzza, because I'm a Derby fan, and I know that Adam played in the Premier League uh, for kind of late 90s. Under 21s, wasn't he? Yeah, under 20, England under 21s. And for him to to step out of that, because he was on a, obviously on a trajectory where, you know, he could have, he could have made it at Derby. But to be able to take time out and say, right, well, I, w- I want to step out of that and go to Mansfield to help their promotion cause. Because I think it's going to do my career, as in Adam Murray's, as Adam Murray's career, good. That, 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 that's some decision and that's some kind of commitment from, from, from him, isn't it, really? Well, it is. And he, he was going through some personal issues as well. You know, which had to be taken into consideration. Um, which, again, in coming to Mansfield, I think that were a great way of dragging it. It actually dragged him out of it. He got mm. belief again. Mm. You know, he enjoyed his football again. Mm. And the outside things that had been going off, I think they were kicked to the side. And, you know, well done, Stuart, again. Yeah, I think Stuart, y- it's player. interesting that you, you, you sort of highlight Stuart Watkins's uh, impact on him there because... Adam Murray, to me, is an absolute Mansfield Town legend. I mean, like I said at the start, I, I can't really remember this season too much because it was, it was when I first started going. Yeah. I didn't really understand football as much, but I, I sort of went along, um, long story short, I'd been bullied at school, went along to sort yeah. of try and take my mind off it and refocus and sort of fell in love with it. And because you, when you're on a winning run, everybody sort of, it's easy to sort of jump on the bandwagon, if you like. The real test of character is when you stay for years after and they're absolutely shocking, which yeah. we were for many years after. Yeah. But going back to Adam Murray, obviously, he's had three or four spells with the club. Captain does back to the Football League in 2013. Um, manager as well. Absolute top guy. And he had Mansfield in his veins. And I just wonder whether you could see that from the start. It's interesting about what you say about the impact of Stuart Watkins, because I think he's another one that you cut him open, he bleeds amber and blue. He's got he's like got Mansfield Town like a stick of rock written in him. And it's it's interesting that that values when you actually strip them both down are very very similar. Stuart is highly respected by all good professional players. I'll tell you that now, and I think he's well respected as well by other managers. You know, he, he is an exceptional coach. He, he reads situations. He doesn't jump up and down, but he knows when to put his foot down. Again, good things in man management. Um, this was proved again to Adam. And I think, you know, we go, we jump back to Adam again. And Adam was uh, technically extremely gifted. Very, very good footballer all round. But also knowledgeable. But you always thought this guy's he's going to go on and he's going to be a good coach. And he is a good coach. He was exceptional at Barnsley. I spoke to Bobby about him. Bobby said, this guy's quality, you know. And uh, I just hope that he's got to stay involved. I mean, you know, I don't know what's happened since West Brom. He's at Port Vale at the minute. He's obviously Daryl Clark on the right tag. He's obviously dealing with some stuff off the pitch at the minute. Well, well, yeah, yeah, I know about that. Port Vale, yeah. Well, that's that's a good move. I tell you, that is a good move. Mm. 
Yeah, I mean, we've Mansfield, the current Mansfield side, played him a couple of weeks ago and we've played off the park and yeah. you could see Muzz's impact there and it was nice to see him again. It's just a shame that his, his managerial career at Stokes didn't go the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. He's an absolutely top guy as well. Let's go back to that squad because you mentioned Adam Murray's impact uh, uh, there about him coming in early and sort of scoring the, the amount of goals he did. Andy, you said about sort of like averaging a goal every couple of games. I think he played something like uh, 13 games uh, but scored seven goals, which is incredible. But another man who was obviously heavily involved with uh, those uh, those goals was uh, the man with number ten on his back, Chrissy Chrissy Greenacre, uh, an absolute cult legend as well. What's your what's your memories of of Chrissy Baz? It, it, probably for me the best trainer as regards thinking he's on a, thinking he's in a match day every day. The best trainer I've, I've ever seen, you know. Closing people down like at pace, not yeah, you know, three or four, yeah, slow down a bit. It's a training day, take it. Not, not Chris. Chris was at it all the time. Do you reckon, Andy? Yeah, uh, but, but as a professional as well, bud, you know, oh. you, talk, you know, that those players who are kind of dedicated to the game, and you need to be to get to that top level, don't you? Yeah, and, different class, and, and Chrissy. I can't remember him ever missing a training session, bearing in mind he had like nope. an hour and a half journey from kind of Wakefield or whatever. Every right. season. Yeah. You know, just one of that, you know, centre pins of the squad, not just on the field, but off the field as well. And, you know, just think back to the, the characters we had. And we had, we had some, we had some nice, nice blokes in that team, didn't we? You know, in terms yeah, of. Yeah, good, good guys. It just, there were no, there were no bad eggs. And, and I think that was one of the biggest ingredients. No, and if you get if you get that, you're so lucky, aren't you? If you get that, I mean, not only are the lads, you know, you're not in some cases you're not going to be best mates on, you know, when you're outside the football ground, on the pitch you've got to be because you've got to work for each other. But we had a group that would go out with each yeah. other if they wanted to, you know, they were mates, and that that's just fortunate, you know. It's yeah. one of them things that is brilliant when it happens. Yeah, and we and we 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 kind of we had a good time in term, but we did it at the right times. And yeah, then, that's right. I can remember um, when I first came to Mansfield, actually, kind of late late nineties, when there, there maybe been a bit of a kind of drinking culture within within the team. I can remember, yeah, you know, quite vividly some some of the lads when I came in, kind of during the six week holiday, um, actually sleeping in the changing rooms after a night out on a. On a <laughs> yeah. on, a Tuesday night, because I can remember after training on Tuesdays, that used to be like Tuesday club into Wednesday. And that, that culture soon kind of shifted. I don't yeah. know whether it's because obviously we were young lads coming in and, you know, uh, there wasn't yeah. that drinking culture. But again, talk about being ahead of your time. There wasn't none of that, even in, you know, early early noughties, if you like, when perhaps there was still a bit of a drinking culture. Certainly, you know, teams like Arsenal, etc. didn't get out of that yeah. until they came in. Until, you know, but it, 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 it really did pay on the field to have that professionalism. And don't get me wrong, we enjoyed ourselves when we did go out, but we did it at the right times. Well, yeah, and and that things as well, which come back to the discipline side of things, you know, me going on about things like unroll your socks when you come off the pitch, make sure you put your shorts there and your shirt there. You know, the guy who's the kit man is not a slave. Yeah. We're all all in it together. Yeah. Everybody (laughs) from there to there. Yeah. And, And if you show discipline in here, you're going to show it out there. Yeah. Uh, but that was an important part of the young lads growing yeah. up. Yeah. Because you need that discipline, don't you? Almost like a, 
a bit of a father figure, really, in terms of putting those boundaries in to yeah. enable you to go on and keep you on the straight and narrow. Because it's, it's very easily to go off path. You know, you think about these, you know, from, from my perspective, you know, with Liam, we were both 18, 19-year-old, 20-year-old. Yeah. You know, Bobby, 21. You know, all young lads at that time to be thrust into this environment where you're playing football every day with your mates, but there's that, you know, that extra dangle of a night out in Mansfield on a Sunday night, do you know what I mean? That, that, that could perhaps divert your attention away from the game. But we never we never took that took that on. We never we never took that carrot if you like. No how I'm, much I'm of that being... comes back to how much of that goes back to Skip and Billy? Oh, the way they ran the dressing room. Yeah. De- definitely. I mean Billy Billy was a really, really if you like, nice fella. Didn't really want to shout at anybody you know um but <laughs> i suppose the likes of me come in a little bit there didn't it you know where i i I'd say you know you're not doing that and you've not done that properly and you know putting my foot down at times but um hopefully doing it you know fair firm and friendly you know what i mean not just doing it because you were in a position to have authority but to try and do it with always a reason behind it yeah. Always a reason. Yeah. That you know, you gotta do it because. Yeah. And I think the players then well, okay. You know, I get it. Because you as talk player, to us, didn't you? But, you know, you talk to them as a human being. Yeah. Not not just not just a number in a dressing room. It was about yeah, that, like we said before, right. individual. You 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 talk you thought about them as a person and you treated them as an individual. Yeah, and if you if you if I had if you had to give somebody a telling off then take them away. Take them away mm-hmm. and bring them in the physio room or whatever and that, you know, and have a word. Not in front of people. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to somebody doing well, I'd praise them in front of everybody. And, I, you know, it's, I think, I think a, a lot of things like that I think I learned from the military, to be honest. As a player, Andy, how much of that, the, the dynamic between the backroom staff and the way they run the dressing room, how much does that impact on you guys having that culture, being able to push on and, and get these results to, to get these success. Because I look at, at, at squads sometimes and, you know, especially nowadays because it, it's changed a lot and there's maybe one or two who don't get on with the manager and they, they dropped or they're not, they're not playing games and you talk about sort of a losing the dressing room, so to speak. But I genuinely get the feeling just by listening to this conversation that, that with the dynamic between Baz, Billy, Skip and all the other guys that were there at the time, that that wasn't necessarily allowed to happen. No, no. And, and, and I mean, I've spoke about it earlier in terms of that kind of father figure, that, that implementing those boundaries, you know. You're really clear on what you could and couldn't do. You know, those boundaries were really clear. There were no um, grey areas. So you knew if you stepped out of line, you'd get a rollicking or you'd get, you know, you'd have to do the blue run a couple of times or whatever. So yeah, well, yeah. Well, well, you, you've, got to, you've got to explain that one, mate. What's the blue run? Well, as we know about the blue run, but um, it was it was down in um, Thieves Wood. We used to get, do it pre-season, didn't we, Baz? And, um, yeah. It was it was a feared run, um, the blue run. Um, it was the the blue, the blue postings on um, at, at Thieves Wood that you've got to get round in. A, I think it was under twenty minutes, wasn't it, Baz? And anyone anyone under twenty anyone over twenty minutes, you have to do it again. So I mean, you know, you had people like Diz doing it in about fifteen and a half minutes. And, <laughs> yeah. 
But, but even even people like you know like Pilks, the the, the goalkeepers, yeah, was a fit fit player, wasn't he? In terms he of was, his, yeah. his ability, so um, you, you'd need you need to get in within twenty minutes, which everyone did. But you knew you, you had that boundary um, that if you stepped out of that out of line, you would you know there'd be punishment. Like, or repercussions or consequences. So it's important to have that. And also, like Baz said, that if you did step out of line, that that was followed through because there's no no getting away from it. I think that was important in keeping everyone in line, keeping everyone together. And that, that team spirit is just so important. You look at teams like, you know, Leicester, when technically they, they weren't the greatest in terms of the Premier League's ever seen, but they won the Premier League because of that togetherness. And you see it, Time and time again, and I, and I think, think I think people underestimate how how important that that togetherness is because you can you know you can you run through brick walls for each other, and, and that's what we did. We would run through brick walls, and that came from Skip and his leadership filtering down through Baz, through Richo, through Ivan. You know, we, we'd we'd run through brick 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 walls for him, and and that's how we went out on the field every single game. I'm going to go back to the blue run for a second, Baz. Was there any uh, a player that maybe you know? Maybe slightly annoyed you during the week, and you're thinking, "God, I hope you you come in at like 20 minutes and one second or something like that." Was there any a time like that, or were all the all sort of I'll, on target? I'll, I'll do a bigger picture than that, Craig. After the uh, <laughs> me, me joining in October, the next um, pre-season training started in the uh, mid mid to latter part of June, and um, I actually wrote the um, pre-season training program, the physical side, for uh, for Bill, and. Um, I always remember him saying, you know, we're doing the uh, we're doing the test, we're doing the blue run first and find out what the times are. And I said, oh, okay. He said, right, took us up. This is where we start. Bearing in mind, I'd only been out of the army about six months then. And this is where we finish. And I went, oh, right, yeah. He said, uh, so we'll set them off from here and then we'll walk through here to the finish part and we'll time them in. I went, no, I'm going to run it with them. And he went, well, what have you... What if you get lost? I said, I won't get lost because I won't be last. And he went, oh, okay. So anyway, he goes off. So I, I ended up coming in about 12th. You know, I was in the first pack. And he, he pulled me out in front of the guys and he went, i got a 40-year-old physio here that's ended up coming in the first half of these you lot. You know, he said, what would you do if this was in the army? I said, I'd make them run round again and beat the previous time. Good idea, he said. I said, and I'll, and, and I'll, I said, and I'll run with them. And they ended up coming about 25th this time, but never mind. It happened. And they must have thought, he's horrible, this guy. He's horrible. Oh, quality. I love that, mate. Absolutely love that. Uh, let's stay on the subject of Billy uh, at the moment. I mean, we've definitely got to do an episode two of this because there's so many stories and so many things we can talk about away from it. But obviously, we want to focus on the 0102 20 years ago. And a big part of that, which me and Andy have spoken about um, before, is Billy Dearden's departure. Because I think when you've got such a dynamic... It can always rock the boat a little bit when somebody leaves. But what are your memories of um, Bill's departure? Because obviously a bit of a controversial one because he ended up going to, to Notts County and sort of came in the January as well and uh, maybe shook it a little bit. But what was your perspective perspective of it, Baz? Well, I think the lead up to that was when we... Uh, I, th I think we got knocked out by the FA Cup, did we? Uh, by Leicester. Yeah. Mm. Is that right? Yeah. Now, yeah. And, and to be honest, we should have got a draw. Um, right near the end, we missed a great chance with the header at the back post. I think the left fullback, I can't remember who it was now, but never mind. Pardon? 
No, it wasn't Fembon. No, it was uh, one Thanks. before him. Who? Thanks. 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 He still goes on. I think when I spoke to him, uh, you know, last year, he still went on about the fact that he should have scored. I said, I know. <laughs> I think it was mentioned previously on Facebook. But uh, that part, that was the first part. I was getting the, the, some vibes that something wasn't something wasn't right. You know, there, there was something going on in the background. And you, you couldn't find out what it was. And then the next thing I knew, you know, is that, you know, Bill's leaving and he's going to, to Notts County. And I thought, oh, well, blinking out, who's was, was going to take over now? And, of course, Stuart, Stuart took over. And um, the thing I remember vividly was um, I think we were going away to... Uh, we were going to one of the Portugal. We were going to Portugal for a few days training because I always mentioned that we were unbeaten in Europe because we, <laughs> we played two games and beat. We we, we 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 won them both over there and we won in Cyprus as well when we went there. But then anyway, that apart, and Stuart uh, grabbed the lads together, you know, because uh, we had we had uh, one or two injuries. In fact, Sisso were were injured then. He'd been injured quite badly. Another great lad who sadly uh, had to finish. And, um, you know, his big words were, right, you know, I'm taking over. Um, if you're injured, you come under him. It's nothing to do with me. Um, and, right, let's get on with it. That's it. And, and, you know, we can't drag it out. It's finished. It's done. Let's get on with it. And let's see what we can do. You know, we're missing a great guy, but we've got to, we've got to carry on. We've got to achieve. You know, that's football, isn't it? People move. Yeah, like, it, it, you know? it is. But the interesting one is, you know, especially you see it now in, I know you know Nigel Clough, we'll talk about that a little bit more later. He's always taken the same team with him wherever he's been. Obviously, because you'd worked with Billy for uh, a number of number of years and got to know him. Was there ever a conversation between you and Bill about you potentially leaving as well and maybe taking Skip with him? Or was it literally just a, now I'm going to leave you all here to, to, to carry on and I'm just going to, just going to move on? No, because from my perspective, I, I knew the physio really well, Roger, at, uh, at um, Notts County at the time. Great guy, good physio. And, you know, we, we do have a bit of a close-knit side, the physio side in football. You know, we speak to each other. We ask we ask each other's advice. You know, have you dealt with this? Have you got that? You know, who did you see for this? Who's the best for that? You know, pass the information around. Because, you know, you know, as much as you want to be actively always involved, and I was very fortunate to have that in Mansfield, there was a, there's a lot of physios that think, and, and I get it, that, they're not really wanted, but they're needed. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Sort of, they're outside the, if you like, the, the actual football pitcher. I mean, I never got that. I was, I was lucky. I was always, the lads always seemed to, you know, involve me one way or another. Um, but a lot of them think that they were outsiders. So, as regards your question, which I've dragged out a bit there, I wouldn't have gone. And it's not because I'm on this now. I wouldn't have gone. My loyalties were with Mansfield. As I say, I only left her once. I was asked to go to Lincoln. Um, by the manager at the time, John Beck, which I turned down. He was offering me a better card and things, but never mind. I, I said, no, no. And he, and he went, oh, you'll regret it. And I went, no, I don't think I will. And, I, mean, uh, I, I, should probably, I should probably edit this bit, this bit <coughs> a little bit out, and I probably would have the radio version. I'll leave it in the podcast version. But if it, if offered, if it would have offered the then-current chairman the car at the time, I think you might have had no choice in going, but that's another matter yeah. altogether, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, you're right there. <laughs> uh, let's move it back to football things. And obviously, as you say, 
um, you, you stayed with us, um, Skip took over, and like me and Andy have said before, and I know a number of the lads, well, I'm sure they'll say exactly the same thing over the course of this series, because he had that youth team and he had the majority of those players, it was a natural carry-on. But there was a part towards the, the back end of the season where it did sort of derail a little bit. There was, I think, um, a run of five games without a win, which included uh, four defeats towards the back end of, of the campaign. Was there ever a time where you felt that it might not come together, which would have been so disappointing after the great start and the, the great momentum you'd built as a group? I think that was the, probably the, uh, the first time that I think we all started to feel the pressure. You know, we were coming, you know, to the end of a tough season. We performed really well. Outsiders, people, managers at Luton and so on, you'd hear, you know, oh, Mansfield are definitely promoted. They're not going to lose it. And, you know, I think all the accolades, all the praise, and bearing in mind, like Andy said, you know, the young guys, they might not have said anything, but the pressure was on, and you could see it at times, taking an extra touch, you know, lost a couple of games. Oh, I need it. I've got to get it right. You know, so they'd have an extra touch or whatever. All the little mistakes that happen that, you know, suddenly knock your confidence. You know, why aren't things going right? One or two key players get injured. It all seems to come as a one. In, in you know, it never seems to be one, and then you passed it. And that's why, to be honest, I was pleased jumping last night. That uh. The man, you know, what a great win, 87th minute. Mm. And they're difficult, Rochdale, difficult side to beat at home. You know, yeah. and we and we just lost two. You know, and you look at things and think, yeah, a couple of goals were offside against Tranmere. Don't know, maybe one. Maybe should have had a draw. Going the lead at Port Vale. But you know what? You've got a quality manager, haven't you? I mean, he's seen yeah. it all. You know, you know, how do you get a manager like that at this level? Absolutely. I mean, we'll come back to him. Uh, it will come back to him in a second. It, it impresses me then. It really makes me feel passionate that you, you continue to say the word we as well. I really, really enjoy that. Um, it, going back to what Baz said, though, Andy, about um, feeling that pressure, the extra one, two touches, you were nodding along to that. Is that a, a statement which you perhaps felt as a group of players? Because let's not forget as well, the, the core of that group uh, were, were still relatively young lads. It was a young squad which had all come through together and all of a sudden found themselves in the limelight with everybody saying, we're going to do it, we're going to get promoted, we, we want this, we want that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, you allude to obviously us being young lads within there, but if you think about the more experienced pros as well, I mean, I mean talk about Chrissy Greenick, I know probably at that age he was probably only about 24, 25, but his, his, his previous football experience had been, you know, Man City youth team on loan at a, a few clubs and, He'd probably not been been in that position either, really, in terms of experiencing a running. You know, look at uh, Pembo, um, you know, Tanks and um, and Cords. Never, you know, probably I don't know, never really been promoted before. So it was all very new to everyone. It was a new experience. It was a new experience having fifteen hundred Mansfield fans travelling to York and that expectation of those fans. Because I think you've seen it this season when. When there's a bit of positivity with around the football club, the fans really do respond to that, don't they? In terms of in yeah. their numbers, you know, you're averaging what six thousand this this season. That was the same during, when we played, taking you know fifteen hundred, two thousand to away games. You know that that's not that's unheard of at, at League Two level, and I think that that kind of plays on your mind a little bit in terms of all these people now, you know, junior one wanting that that expectation that this is going to happen. I think that may be 
um, had a, not consciously, but definitely subconsciously um, had an impact on some of the performances uh, towards the latter end. Um, but luckily, yeah, we got we got the results at various times. And also, you know, Cheltenham went away to Carlisle with the win, would have taken them up. They, they, they I think they drew or, or, or lost against Carlisle on that midweek game. Because I can remember we were all crowded around the radio listening to that result because it was all basically pinning on that as to whether it's going to go to the last game. So, yeah, we had a bit of luck in that respect. But, um, yeah, we, we came through. And I think it's just testament to, to the lads, really, in terms of the resilience shown that you weren't getting knocked back. And we kind of picked ourselves up and, and dragged ourselves over the line, if you like, in that. Yeah, yeah, that's right, that. Because you, you didn't need us to do that then. We could say, I mean, you, you were doing it between you. Yeah, I think you were dragging each other through that 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 area. Then I mean, I don't think we, we couldn't do any more because you you get to the point where you think I'm not sure they believe us, yeah. but when they started to pull you know together like you've done yeah. private conversations or amongst as a group, I think you pulled yourselves through that latter stage, not yeah. us. Yeah, and and, and you yeah. know you look you look you look at going to Luton Town in front of twelve thousand fans. Yeah. Scoring three goals away from home and then still losing, losing. Five, you know, it's, oh it's crazy. Was there a conversation well, as a staff after that game, that Luton game, the 5 3, of saying, Look, we've got four games to go, it's still in our hands? You know, at that point, you've lost, you know, four out of the last five, you've not you've not won in five either. Is there a conversation as a staff then, Baz, to say, Is there something we can do differently, or was it very much like you said, just let the lads get on with it? They've got to deal with it. the big point that we made. Andy's uh, alluded to it just now. You've scored three goals away from home, you know, in front of in front of twelve thousand, majority of which are obviously against you, against one of the better teams, or supposedly one of the promotion contenders. You know, get it in your head. You're more than capable. You've proved that for more than two thirds of the season, and then walk out and leave it. Yeah. Don't mm. don't no negatives. They know they don't want the negatives. They've had enough of them. They don't want the negatives. Let them deal with what we've said. Walk away from it. Individually, later, the manager perhaps will pull players in and just have a chat and, you know, have a look at this, show it on a video. You know, you, you, need, you, know, you need to sort a more personal, perhaps, perspective rather than a team. It's, an in, it's certainly an interesting one. And then we go into those final four games of the season. Now, Baz, I want to know, did you pull Andy aside at some point and say, look, you know, we, we need some goals here. We need a bit of a bit of an impact. If you don't start scoring some goals, I'm going to make you do the blue run because in those final four games, Andy White scored three out of four. Yeah, I was directly responsible for that, without a doubt. <laughs> I mean, he knows that. He, he knows that. I dragged him in and said, look, mate, you know, you know what the blue runs are like, don't you? And he, he <laughs> went, yeah. I said, well, you're going to be going around that three or four times every day. Unless you get at least three goals in the next four. He went, oh, OK, I'll do that. And off he went and did it. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I, I think, you know, you, you, you talk about that kind of pressure building in terms of, um, you know, scoring. And I think for me, that pressure did, did be a bit of a favour, really, in terms of knowing that, A, I could potentially be dropped during this running. Yeah. But, B, you know, we... we 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 need we need that extra impetus to get us over the line and, and, and it kind of bought the best out of me in terms of scoring important goals. Yeah. Um and, and you know if you look throughout my Mansfield career, I haven't scored many goals, but those I did score 
contributed to yeah, they've been the important ones yeah yeah so um for me um i just wish i'd have done it on a more consistent basis <laughs> uh, career might have lasted a bit longer but uh, it, might, it might be that kind of I, I work best when i'm outside my comfort zone if you like and and, and knowing yeah. that on rather than if i'm feeling comfortable i'm not you're not getting that extra ten percent, whereas no. the running helped you to evoke that extra ten percent. No, because generally, Andy, I mean, you, you know, you, you've always been sort of, you know, laid back type of guy. You know, mm. don't get flustered. Yeah, uh, and I, I see your point because you know when the pressure got put on a bit, mm. and you thought, hey, hang on a minute, mm. I can't just, you know, be loping along here. And no, I'm not saying you, you you always cross that line to give you it all. Yeah, but you know when you had that thought blinky neck you know i could miss out here yeah, no, all of a sudden all of a sudden you know you you're a yard or two quicker to things or whatever yeah. you know yeah and, no and no professional crosses the line no not to give 100 percent. no but but i've i've reflected on that bad quite a lot in terms of um needing you know in terms of self-motivation it's difficult for yeah to be self-motivated and to be yeah. a top top professional footballer you need to have that burning desire that win at all costs and I, I don't think i ever had that kind of burning desire and win at all costs but when it gets to the crunch it yep. kind of out of me and it yep. helped spur me on to kind of to get that goal so yeah that, that that's i mean i reflect on my career many a time over the last you know 10 or 15 years and that's one of the big kind of uh, conclusions that i bring upon myself and um yeah it's um it's interesting looking at the kind of psychological element to it. It is. And, you know, you'll see pictures of yourself with other people, you know, who are probably going through or doing exactly the same things. And it's people like you that have got to get in and say, hey, listen, I did that. I'm yeah. telling you, you need to be doing this. Yeah, definitely. Let's go to the final game of the season then. Obviously, we've turned the form around. Andy's found his scoring boots. Not the Cheltenham game, Craig. Oh, go on, we... go on, give, no, well, let's go for the Cheltenham game. I was going to go run through the, the final four because yeah, obviously yeah, let's, let's run through the final four just to just to appease Andy White's ego because yeah. he's, he's, he's got good <laughs> games in there, hasn't he? So we, we lose at Luton, we bounce back uh, at home to Bristol Rovers, you get on the score sheet with, with Moz yeah. and then the Cheltenham game happens. Come yeah. on, talk, talk us through that one from your perspective. And I know you're itching to tell the story. I, I don't know what you remember of that game, Baz, but I, I just remember that the, the crowd's absolutely like packing into Mansfield on that, on that evening, obviously. Night, night kick-off. Yeah. I've said about the, the, the supporters responding when we get good results and you know, I think the official gate was like eight and a half, and there must have been yeah. 12, 13,000 there that night. But, you know, because there were literally supporters around the corner flag. You have to push them back to take. Yeah, them. you did. Um, and yeah, I remember that first that first goal. Atmosphere, unbelievable. Oh, unbelievable. I mean, I haven't I get down to Manchester a little bit more often because I know that at the minute there's kind of a lot of excitement. I want to really see. From a supporter's perspective, what it's like to, to yeah. just Mansfield going full throttle, but we were going some that night, and um, yeah, we that that first goal I can remember, I can't remember who took the corner, but we're having to physically push these supporters away so we could have enough space to <laughs> and, take. Yeah, the I do remember that. Yeah, yeah, um, move, trying to get out the way. You know, um, I, mean, it, I, I always wonder where the police horses were. <laughs> <I know. laughs> 
Um, I can't, I, I, yeah, corner came in, and um, I think I beat um, Neil Howarth. I think his name is. He, he, oh. he later went on to manage me at Kidderminster. Did he? Um, so, yeah. So, well, him and, him and Mark Yates played in that game that night. We both were kind of joint managers at Kidderminster. And I always reminded him. I, I nutmegged Mark Yates in that game, and I bullied uh, Neil Howarth for the header for that <laughs> yeah. first goal. I used to always remind him of that point. So, yeah, I've been down at the post. Chris has come in like he does. Um, got in there with with a with, with the first goal. Then they've equalised. I think Nathan Tyson played for them that night as well. Yeah, he did. He did. Yeah, I was watching the highlights a bit earlier actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they they were always a threat going forward. A big lad up front for them. Obviously Nathan Tyson. They had Mark Yates midfield. Good good players. Um, always. I think they kind of they dominated like mid midpoint into the second half. Equalised, and then yeah, last twenty minutes it was kind of. Bobby's Bobby's running down the right. He, 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 he swears it wasn't it wasn't a shot, but I think it was a shank shot from Bobby. He, he always says it's a shot. No, I'm not so sure about that. We'll ask he's, him. We'll ask him. Yeah, he's he, yeah he's shanked across. I've stuck out a toe, and it's just kind of spun into the bottom corner, like <laughs> the, the roof the roof of that stadium just kind of lifted off. It was unbelievable. How long was it to go then? Can you remember how long it was to go? I, uh... It was like it was in the eighties. It was in the yeah. 80s. I, I thought it were late on. I, I couldn't remember, but I yeah. thought it was late on. And obviously, you know, the sport starts singing in like you. But you're really enjoying that last five minutes, and then when the final whistle goes, you know, there's family everywhere. So that was that was a special evening for me, leading into the kind of Carlisle game on the Saturday. And so, then, so, the, so obviously there was York to fit in uh, as well be, be, between that uh, away trip at, at York a three-one win. You didn't get on the score sheet that day, so it must have only been at home where you you, you just you no, were shooting boots. For... York. Oh yeah, we did. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Um, that's right. Guess guess what's added, being added to that at this, uh, so that, this was, part? That, that was that was another <laughs> chance where you know the Manchester <laughs> came out to York and yeah they did made a weekend of it. Um, but we didn't really, you know, fulfil what we needed to. Muzz scored early on. I think went one nil up. And yeah, I, that's it. I had, a, I had a good chance to make it two nil. Missed that, and then yeah, the, the, the crowd at York really get involved then, and they, then they obviously they they win three one. And I, I know the coach journey after that game was proper. We just I felt. Thought, I thought we. I thought we looked tired up there. Yeah, I, I did honestly. I just thought, you know, they got to lift us up. We looked tired. Yeah. yeah, you know, physically, I, I thought, well, I don't see why they're tired. The majority of them had a real good pre-season. Yeah. But it, I think it was up here again. Well, just, you know, the heads had dropped a bit. Yeah. The heads had dropped a bit. But also, that style of football, in terms of that high press, it, it's not it's not sustainable no, over a long period. No. no, it ain't. Because we were young lads, we were always right. Management are saying, right, the high press behind That's it. That's and it, there was yeah. no left up. There was no, like, no. take it easy, was it? We no. always... Play at that high intensity, so that, maybe it did get into your legs a bit. Potentially, I mean, yeah, you're only human at the end of the day, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. And then um, after that game, um, that's when we were relying on Cheltenham going up to that's Carlisle right, yeah. Tuesday night. They got um, beat, didn't they? There. They got, yeah. And if they'd, if they'd, if they'd, if they'd, I think they only no, they needed, they needed three points to get into the automatic, and that would have been the last automatic place taken up. So that would have meant there was nothing to play for in the Carlisle game, but luckily they lost. And they were um, Lee Williams had a great chance, you know, ex Stags Lee Williams had yeah. a great chance to, to 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 win that, and he missed that for Cheltenham because he he left Mansfield that season and went over to to Cheltenham. He missed, 
And then, yeah, it was all to play for for us uh, on that final game of the season. Yeah, that yeah. final game of the season, we talk about mentality and, and things. And I've been having this conversation with Nigel Clough lately as well, because Mansfield, at the minute as we record this, are in the midst of a spell where they've got seven away games out of uh, eight games because of postponements and things like that. Um, we've got two more away games to go and home form's been great, away form's not been so much. But having that home game on the final day of the season, to know you're in front of your home fans, given the fact that there were maybe 14,000, 15,000 uh, unofficially there for the Cheltenham game and things like that, you know it's going to be another big crowd. Mentally, Baz, did, did that sort of give you and, and Skip and the staff a little bit of a, a lift and something to be able to say to that, saying, look, we're at home, we're in front of our own fans, this is... If you're going to do it anywhere, this is the place to do it. You can go two ways with this one when you walk into that changing room. You know, look at them guys and you either think they are up for this big time. There's a sense of it. You know, it might be total quietness, but you just look at them. And, you, you know, we went in that changing room and that, well, I personally thought they ain't going to lose this. I was that confident. I just thought they're really up for this. You don't need to motivate them anymore. If you do, you might push them over the top. Well, then get the send, sending off or something. Mm. But you could see straight away. They, they didn't need any motivation that day. They knew that, that you know, that this was the last chance, obviously. But what had gone on in the previous four or five, and you could just see that they weren't going to get beat. No way were they going to lose that. It was just one of them. So it was a case of going in and going, you know, you know what you got to do. Mm. Get out there and do it. Now, you've told some stories at the start of this podcast, mainly about uh, uh, Mr King, who'd obviously moved on at, at this point. But when you win promotion like that at home in front of your own supporters, there must be some stories from, uh, from, that, from that evening, from that night, and probably the weeks which followed. Are there any which you can uh, recall from that, uh, from that time? <laughs> to, to be honest, I mean... It, it... I can't really. I mean, you know, all, all you guys went out. I, mean, I think we went out, didn't we? And we spent sort of a little bit of time with you, two or three pints. And now, you know, I must admit, I don't know whether I, well, I was probably the older one. And I just said, look, you know, we, we, don't, we don't hear any stories. We don't know what's going on. We're the staff. We need to have a few drinks with them and leave. Let them get on with it. Nobody don't get in any trouble. So I don't know if you know any eating mention Andy or what but uh, I think I, I don't I think I think still to this day that remains the best night out I've ever had in my life and I, you know the whole you know you talk about the stadium being buzzing but the whole of the town yeah and I really hope that, that Mansfield this year get over the line for this yeah me too that because once a town like Mansfield have that kind of euphoria it, it just just vibrates through the whole town you know every single pub you went in, you yeah. didn't buy a drink all night, you know, they were all coming up to you, um, you know, talking to, talking to you about the game and like, just everybody, everybody knew that you'd had a great result and that you got promoted, like everybody, even if you're not a football fan. And, and I remember going to Centre Parks um, that the week after, and the cleaners coming up to, like, I think me and Bobby went with um, with Jamie Plohock to, to Centre Parks that following yeah. week. You know, re relax and recuperate. And the cleaners are coming. Oh, well done, lads. Well done. It's like, what? You know. <laughs> so it was. It was just yeah. And, and I think I've told it before. Like, I remember walking into, um, it was a Palais or something back then. You know, one night club in Mansfield on that night. I went out, and the whole club just stopped singing. 
it's just it's just gonna stick in my mind and uh I'll tell my young lad about that one day when he's uh, when he's a bit older about you. Dead know, right, yeah. dead right. You gotta do yeah. it. Absolutely. Oh, fantastic. And as a staff, just to round things off, Baz, on uh, on, on that particular season, obviously, you know, you left them to it going out and that, and you you sort of sit back, kick your heels, and when you sort of reflect on it, how proud were you? Because you'd watch this group um, come through from, from young lads, make that, you know, transition. You mentioned them getting to the cup quarters, semis, or whatever it was. They, They broke through into the first team, and then they managed to achieve this fantastic promotion um how proud did that make you to to see those lads go on and uh, achieve that success oh yeah unbelievable you know what a what a day what a night for us all you know to do that i mean yeah i was proud you know whichever way you play as a member of staff you've always you've always got to try and keep a little bit of a dividing line you know they always say you know don't don't get too informal with with the players Mm. and you know, you need to always have that line dividing. I'm staff, your players, but that's one of the times where I let my guard down, and I'm not, I'm not normally like that. But I was uh, very, very proud of the guys. I mean, they thoroughly deserved it. They worked the socks off, and you know, still to this day, I stay in contact with a lot of them. Um, you know, and obviously see how they're getting on, and and fair dues, they come back to me a lot as well. So maybe I wasn't that bad. And uh, no, no but, more blue runs nowadays, though. Now, no, no, no more blue runs. No, on the bike now, on the bike. That's all. <laughs> I've been bit, just, just, over the years. I've been just ride around the blue run just about now. It's a bit, <laughs> it's a bit, it's a bit dodgy around that bit of Feedwood nowadays. Aren't yeah, I've heard that, Andy. Yeah, <laughs> you, you've got to be careful. I'll leave that. I'll leave with. that one to you two lads. I'm not getting involved in that one at all. Uh, before we round things off, uh, thanks so much for your time. It's been a great chat. We definitely need to get you back on for another episode because there's so much more that we can talk about about your career and physiotherapy within football. That just intrigues me so much. So I'd, I'd love to do that uh, in the future. We were talking before we started, and we've mentioned it a little bit through the show. Um, about the current Stags side and obviously 20 years on from when we last got promotion out of the same division we're in now we're hoping to uh, you know achieve that success and I know that you know one or two of the lads uh, within the Mansfield staff and let's start with uh, the man who's in your current role um, the, the physio now Tom Whittemore well, how much do you know about, about Tom because uh, fantastic lad off the pitch I, I speak to him uh, every now and again in passing seems a really good lad and he's got his head screwed on Tom, Tom's a great guy, excellent physiotherapist. Um, for me, it, it's always it's always difficult in football to keep hold of these people that you get, you know. But the fortunate thing is, you know, he's with an excellent manager as well. And that matters, you know. If your staff around is good and you're happy, you know, and you're being looked after reasonably well, financially and so on, then I'd, what I personally say to him is stay where you are, Continue to gain the experience because, believe it or not, when you go higher, the job is actually easier because you have more people around Mm -hmm. you to delegate. You have better equipment. And so it goes on. He's a great guy. I really, really do like Tom. He's a good fella. And I know that, you know. And and of course, Mez. The ground. Yeah, of course, we've not guys. even mentioned Mez yet. I think we Great could guys. have an old, we could have a whole series on on Mez. I'm sure there's some Mez stories as well, which we'll really? get out of you yeah. in the next episode. I know that you know uh, uh, Cluffy a little bit as well. What yeah. can you tell us about, about him? Because you know, experienced manager had promotions up and down the leagues, and we're hoping that uh, this year can be the one he gets it with Mansfield Town. 
Well, I don't know if it's the right phrase, but he is one of the nice guys in football, you know. Mm. But having said that, technically, I mean, in who am I to say? He knows the job inside out. He's extremely knowledgeable. He's a really good man manager. Good man manager. He's come through a very difficult time in the early part of the season. A lot of injuries. A lot of players he couldn't play. That shows a good manager who comes through things like that and then picks it up. And he's picked it up now. And when when I watch him being interviewed, honest as the day's long. You know, honest as the day's long. Top guy. Can't speak well enough about Nigel Clough. He's a great fella. Fantastic stuff. Well, that's all we've got time for in terms of stage chat. But we are going to end with a little bit of fun because... Everything is always competition. Um, Andy's been involved in one of these before and he'll be involved in this new quiz at the end of the series. It's called Mansfield Town, A Question of Sport. It's our brand new quiz for this Stags Stories uh, series and it will see our guests face nine questions themed around sports. So not necessarily about your time at Stags, but they're all sports-themed questions and they'll spell out the word Mansfield. So the first answer will begin with the letter M. The second will be an A and so on and so on. So you spell Mansfield. Um, it's all against the clock and the person who gets the most right in the quickest time will be crowned the winner. Now, I've got to tell you a few rules. A wrong answer is plus five seconds to your time. A pass is plus 10 seconds. So it's worth a go even if you don't know. The clock will start when I've asked the first question. And as it's a Mansfield Town team show, there will be some Stags theme questions in there. Um, and also tell you as well that a surname, if when it's a, a name related question, uh, a surname, a name could relate to a surname or a first name. Um, so, for example, Adam Murray could be which A or which M. Does that make sense? Yeah. Fantastic. Are you up for it, Baz? Are you up for giving it a go? Yeah, you go on then. We'll see where we get. I'll then. be right then. Uh, there we go. There we go. So remember that if you get a wrong answer, it's plus five seconds. A pass is. Plus 10 seconds, right. In three, two, one, let's play. Which M was a commentator who was the voice of Formula One for ITV between 1997 and 2001? Oh, God, I can picture the fella. Morris. Morris. No. You passing? Yeah. Pass, okay, we'll put pass. Uh, which A is the home of Liverpool FC? Anfield. Which N were beaten by Argentina in the 2014 World Cup semi final? is the sport that Mansfield born Rebecca Adlington is best known for? Swimming. F. Before it was renamed, which F was the name of the Stags home stadium? Bill Mill. I. Which I is the nationality of jockey Frankie Vittori? Ireland. Which E won the won gold at the 2012 Summer Olympic Games in the women's heptathlon? Anderson. L, which L was part of the 0102 promotion side and went on to play for the likes of Stoke City and Sunderland? Liam Lawrence. And which D is ridden by jockey AP McCoy and won the 2010 Grand National? No, don't know. 
Stop the clock there. Okay, let's have a little uh, job for this. Andy, how do you uh, think uh, think Baz there did in his uh, quiz performance there? Yeah, he did, did all right. I think I think I, I know what it's like when you get put under pressure. Your mind just goes blank, doesn't it? <laughs> thing, you know, even even the simplest. Murray things. Murray Walker. Murray Walker. Yeah, Frankie Dettori. Yeah, four correct answers, but it's all about the passes and the wrong answers. Because remember, a pass is plus ten. Yeah. So you passed. You passed on uh, three of them. Well, well, I I always had written on my report: sets a low standard and fails to achieve it. <laughs> so I can tell you that you did it in two minutes thirty-one seconds. Terrible. Four in two minutes thirty-one. Uh, Baz, great to to have you on. Final couple of questions uh, for you. Uh, the first one is: as you reflect on your time at Mansfield, what do you want to say? What's your message to the Mansfield Town fans who you'll have spoken to on Facebook, spoken to up and down uh, the years? What's your message to them? Well, I'd like to thank them for all the support that I had at Mansfield. You know, being accepted, coming from outside the, the community, not being a Mansfield guy. I was always treated really well by the by the staff and by the supporters of the football club. And, you know, I wish them every success for this season. I truly hope to get promoted and uh, hopefully go on beyond from there. I think they're more than capable. They've got the setups. Why not? The final one is the, the biggest question of all, and it's what all of our listeners really enjoy uh, finding out, and it's quite a simple one. You go into the kitchen, you put the kettle on, you make a cup of tea, a cup of coffee, you reach for the biscuit barrel. Barry Statham, what's your favourite biscuit? Ooh, I think it's got to be a Mac, MacVitie's Digestive Chocolate. I'm not going to lie, Chocolate Digestive, a phenomenal choice of biscuits. Certainly ranks up there in my top three if I was picking. Brilliant stuff from Barry Staven. My thanks to him and to Andy, as always. Some quality stories from Baz, and he's definitely, definitely, definitely got to come back on for another episode of Stag Stories in the future. I'm sure he's got loads more tales to tell, giving us that perspective of life from a physio, I'm sure. Probably a handful of stories about Andy King in there as well. So, uh, yeah, we'll definitely look forward to that one in the future. Thanks as ever to you guys for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Stag Stories, the glory of the Amber generation. There'll be another one at the same time next week for you. And I really, really cannot wait for this one. One of my all-time Mansfield Town heroes. Not Neil McKenzie, saving that one for a couple of months' time. But... The player who got me into watching football. The player who I wanted to emulate all those years on Preston Road Field. Mansfield Town's goalkeeper, Kevin Pilkington. And it turns out as well, I won't give too much away, that he was also Andy White's hero too. Make sure you tune in next week for that. It's a fantastic episode, really, really insightful. And another one who will leave you wanting more. For now, though, as I said earlier, thanks for listening. Thanks to Baz for joining us as well. And apologies about the technical issues uh, too. We're back same time next week with more Stag Stories, the glory of the Amber Generation. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, 
When it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.